So here we are, friends, um, words in the dark, the Psalms, God's presence in the life of prayer. If, if you're new this week, if this is your first time here, this is such an interesting week for you to come. This is like the conclusion of a sermon series that's lasted 27 weeks. <laughs> that's like six, seven months. I don't know of any other church who puts up with this, by the way. Like a lot of churches I go to, like there's six weeks sermons on this and then move on and move on. And uh, you guys have had the most amazing, oh, what's the opposite of attention deficit? Like here you are seven months later and the whole goal of this all is that we would um, put a, a flag down in the sand almost and say prayer is so important and so essential and a non-negotiable in the Christian life that we're going to spend seven months really thinking about it and chewing on this and processing deeply what it is to have a life of prayer. And it's, because it's not easy. It doesn't come natural. Uh, human beings are naturally self-oriented people. And so to, to turn our deep attention to someone else, uh, let alone the God of the universe, is not a natural thing. So here we are at the very end. This is the last sermon on prayer um, in this series. We'll keep talking about prayer, of course. But this really is the conclusion of a season. And so if you missed all 26 previous sermons, uh, no worries. This is going to be a culmination. I'm, you'll get it all in this sermon. Uh, I'll, I've, um, I've hopefully found a way to do it in, in enough time. Um, but if you're interested, if some of this sparks your interest, uh, I think most of the, the sermons are online on the website, so you can go back and find the Words in the Dark series and, and listen through if you're, if you're interested. So, um, amen is what this is called. Final amen. I don't know if, if you know what amen means. Amen is a word that we say at the end of prayers, which I was praying with my, my wife Eve this week. We were, the girls had just gone off to school on the school bus, and we had a, uh, about 10 minutes together before I had to leave for work, and we said, let's pray together. Let's do some praying. And so we were praying, and Eve, Eve I just love sometimes, she's just got this, this perspective and sense of humor that is, is great. I think God, God just really loves what, what she has sometimes to say. Um, and so we were praying along, and it was her turn for, first. And so she's praying and praying, and then she goes, and that's all I got. <laughs> I'm like, well, is that what amen means? That's all I got? Which I think is probably pretty close. Um, that's all I got. But more than that, above and beyond, that's all I got for you, God. That's all I got here to offer. Above and beyond that is, is something uh, like a sense of confidence. Amen is a word of confidence. It means that I've given you my heart, God, and I'm going to muster up just as much confidence as I can possibly get to trust that you've heard me. Amen. Let it be so. I'm trusting you. I've, you've got this. Uh, I don't have anything else to say because uh, now it's in your hands. So at the end of prayers, Jesus teaches us to pray in his name, in, in confidence, in, his, in the power of his name. Uh, that's all we got, God. And now it's in your hands. So that's what we're doing today. We're saying amen to this prayer series. And in case you're interested, these are the ones that we went over in the many weeks since September. Uh, so that's... 27-ish, um, 20, about 27 psalms, and there's 150. So we've really amazingly just barely scratched the surface, even though I don't know any church who's spent this long on psalms before. 
I'm sure this happened, but maybe this is the first in 100 years. I don't know. Let's think that way. That's a gift, right? So we, we've delved into all of this. And what I'm going to do instead of just going back over it all and saying it all again is to delve into Psalm 33 as our final word on prayer and our final word on God's presence in our life and, and the Psalms. And so, uh, so Psalm 33 is a wonderful psalm, uh, and it's, it really does in many ways capture most of what, what we've said together. So here it starts out, Psalm 33, a psalm of David, King David, written um, at, least, at least two and a half thousand years ago. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous people. It is fitting for you upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. And as we talked about uh, praise being such a central part of our praying, we don't just uh, sit down and ask God for things. Praying is more than asking for things. Uh, and there's, there's this piece of praying which is called praise. And this, this gets us going really lovely. Uh, sing joyfully, you righteous people. It is fitting for you upright to praise him. I thought to myself that word fitting there is interesting. It's fitting for you to praise him. Like we don't really use that kind of language uh, unless we're trying to maybe say something bad about someone, I think. Like, oh, so-and-so went and they made that mistake again. Well, that's fitting. Or like, oh, that my, 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 my teenager went and wrecked the car. Well, that's fitting. It's not a nice thing to say, is it? Uh, but this is a bit different. This is, this is, we, we don't use the word fitting in this way. It's, it's right for you, upright to praise him. Like if, if you are a person who wants to love God and is doing their best to serve him and to, to offer your, your heart to God, the best thing for you to do, the most natural thing for you to do is to praise him. And praise him is to remember what he's done for us, what he's capable of. And we do so here with David uh, with music. Music is so powerful. It opens our hearts. It opens our minds. Um, and it kind of creates this almost like this cathedral space for us to bring our hearts to God. And this 10-string lyre, I've never seen a picture of one. Uh, there was an ancient 10-string, I think there's 12-string guitars today, right? But imagine this, this lyre, which is like a guitar. Uh, use this, says David, and sing a new song. Don't, I mean, one of the things I've asked you to do is to pray the psalms. Learn to pray the psalms and, and make them your own. Uh, but David is saying here, there's a certain way we do that. We do use other prayers, but we've got to make them new. Make them fresh. Make them uh, your prayer. This isn't just other people's prayers. This is you. And play skillfully and shout for joy. So he's opening our, our hearts again and minds to the fact that we can praise him. So David goes on to praise him. Remember, praise is about remembering what God has done. And oftentimes the psalmists move back to praising God for creation. I was walking out there on Lake Balmoral this week, our parking lot. Um, and it was all frozen over. And I was the first one here. And I was walking along these thin sheets of ice, and it was like, crack, these big cracks. I'm like, oh, this is what it would feel like on a lake if you were walking on ice, and you'd be terrified. And I know it was this deep, so I wasn't terrified. But the ice was just drawing my heart into praise. I would walk along, and my foot would happen, and there'd be these shoots of, of, of white lines that went out from all directions of my foot. I don't know. 
Christ is awesome, isn't it? It's beautiful. And so uh, we praise God for creation, and oftentimes getting outside in creation can get us our hearts praying again if we've lost prayer in our life. And I've invited you to think about what being out in creation might do for your prayer life if you need some, a kickstart. So here he goes. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts, by the breath of his mouth. I loved in that song that we sang today, by the breath, he opened his mouth and the planets were formed. And we're just beginning to understand the immensity of the planets of the universe and, and just what they are. Um, I think if we were standing close to one, we would just be awestricken. And for God, this is just a breath. It's how powerful and strong he is. God gathers the, the waters of the seas into jars. David, like he does many times, starts to get poetic here. The, the immensity of the, of the seas and the oceans, things that uh, humans for, for millennia, even today, are, are completely terrified of. It's just, there's just, it's just like God can scoop it up into a jar. He puts the deep, the deep waters, the oceans, into storehouses. He's got places to store these things, says David. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. And with David, our hearts are drawn up into a place of awe and worship. And one of the things that I've encouraged us with is that though we don't pray for the benefits, there are so many benefits to living a prayer life. And the benefits are like the benefits we get from being in relationship with this kind of person. Our lives can sometimes be so filled with insecurities and anxieties and we don't even know where the next piece of bread comes from sometimes. But with the immensity of this person who we can be aligned with and worship, there's so many benefits. And the benefits uh, across the Psalms are like this. He's watching over your path. You think you might stumble, you're unafraid of taking an unknown step. He's watching the path in front of you. Uh, he sustains you when you feel like you can't keep going internally, when you don't have an ounce left to give. You can take another step forward because he sustains you. And even we remember that we're breathing in and out right now only because his spirit keeps us alive. He delivers us. He protects us. He gives us peace. Uh, those who pray are never forsaken by God. He satisfies us with unfailing love, with shelter, with fruit, which is fresh and green. I'm just giving you some imagery from the Psalms here. Uh, he gives us comfort and food. He promises um, for those who, um, who love God. And the bigger mystery which Jesus teaches us is that um, he's doing this for every living, breathing person alive today. So uh, there's benefits for being in relationship with this kind of God, although we learn that it's not ultimately those benefits that we're after. There's something much more profound. So David goes on in Psalm 33 here. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. So David's turned from praise, and now he's um, praising God for being a creator, and now he's turning to praise to God who's stronger than the intrigues of human, human leaders. He foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. Uh, but the plan of the Lord stands firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. What I'm interested here in, in, in this verse is that, by the way, um, in case a government leader ever makes a decision that negatively affects you, this is Psalm 33, go here. 
God, thwart the purposes of the nations is a great kind of prayer in that instance. Um, But here's what I'm interested in. This is a God who has a plan, who who knows what to think and, and how to act. He knows how to lead us and how to guide us and how to shape us. And so in the prayer life, I've talked, and we talked a lot about this in the fall. In the prayer life, it takes a lot of humility to understand that even though we like to be in control of things, we're not really in control of things. I mean, God gives us freedom and free will to make all the choices, and he's not a helicopter parent. He, let, he lets us do our thing. Uh, but he has a purpose and a plan. And um, prayer takes a lot of humility. And and. Even to get into the life of prayer, we have to hold our arrogance in check. We have to, to check our heart. Are we trying to be too, control, too in control of our life? Um, and this requires us to move from childishness. Oftentimes we're child, child, childish, aren't we? we? We throw fits fairly easily, even as adults. That's the great secret we keep from you kids. I know it's not much of a secret, really. If you watch us closely, we throw a lot of fits in our life. And God is asking us to move from childish ways through growing up, making sense of the world, understanding the evils of the world and all, uh, and, and how to work it, how to, how to earn money. We, we grow up. But then he asks us to enter again into a second childlikeness. Not childishness, but childlikeness. And we have to stand... Um, in alignment with the Lord, and it takes a lot of humility to get there. And so um, part, of, part of this trick, part of the trick to, to, to recognize that we have dignity, we're, we're grown up, we've got, we've got dignity about us, but entering into a childlikeness is to remember this one thing. And this is, I, um, I've got a, a chiropractor, and um, he... Uh, He's like, after, after five or six months of him working on me, he's like, hey, by the way, I come, came across one of your podcasts. He's like, you're a really good speaker, as if he was really surprised. Um, so, okay, <laughs> I'll deal with that. But, he, but he, he heard this one piece, and, and I think it's probably the most mysterious, challenging piece of all. He heard me say that if we're going to become people who pray, we have to understand that we're worth God's time. We are worth God's every second of attention. But we have to come to him as if we don't deserve it. He goes, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know how to describe this to you. And like, cracking my back. You know, like, but here is, this is a deep mystery. And it is the doorway into prayer. We come as beggars. But if we feel like we're not worthy of God's presence, we'll never come. We're deeply worthy. We're his children. But we do not deserve an instant, an ounce of his attention. Um, and if we've embraced that, if we've come full to terms with that, friends, we are into the heart of God. That's what the Psalms teach us. We have to be needy. Um, and ultimately, in order to begin praying, we have to desire to pray. We have to want to pray. And here's how this is made. Here's how this desire to pray works. We have to have humility. If we don't have humility, I guarantee we're going to puff our chests out and live our lives as if we're in control of them. We have to have feelings of neediness and dependence. If we don't feel needy or dependent on God, why would we come to him? We have to be in tune with our emotions. It's a a really important piece. If we're out of touch with our emotions, we're never going to be able to know how to bring them into God's presence and feel him touch us back. We have to feel worthy 
And we have to have a conviction that prayer matters. Like there's something significant about prayer. And so I know this was many weeks of sermons. But let me just give this to you from the 30,000 foot view. This is what creates the desire to pray. And if we don't have the desire, it's never going to happen. So we work at the beginning here of these feelings on these, these postures. Uh, so, so there's this. <laughs> David goes on. He says, oh, by the way, I forgot to say, the whole first part of this, and I'm about halfway through the first part here. The whole first part of this is just reminding us of the big points that we've hit along the way. But the second half of this is going to be the, the to-do lists. Like the very, what can you do this afternoon to kickstart or d- d- deepen your prayer life? So we're getting there in case you're wondering. So here we are. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, David says. The people he chose as an inheritance. He's chosen his, a people. And blessed is that nation. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. And if we think that God lives on Saturn, David tells us, from his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth. He sees us. He knows what we're doing. And he who forms the hearts of all. Okay, he's not just watching, but his hands are in the, the, the clay, doing something to our hearts, shaping them, drawing us to him, and considers everything they do. So uh, prayer requires us to understand deeply that God is here. He's acting. He's working. There's something to link into. And I love this, the people he chose as an inheritance. If you don't know what that means, it basically means this. He's rescuing the world from death, and he's asked us to join him in that. We're we're co-laborers, even though we're the weaker, the much weaker of the partnership. He's actually put a little weight on us to help him rescue the world from death. He really has. It's not just a fake thing. He's actually put some weight on us. And prayer is a huge piece of our responsibility to lift up that which we care about into God's heart with prayer. It's part of the deal. And he's forming us into people who can join him. And I love that we're part of a community, a great community of of people called to do this. We're not alone. And in fact, at at one point in this series, I've invited you to think, if you think you can go and do this alone, you can't. You need community. If you think you're going to develop a prayer life by yourself, you can't. It'll always fizzle out. You need people to pray with and to keep that going and alive. And so what, what, what might that look like in your life? So David goes on and he finishes, he finishes his psalm here where he's praised God. He's remembered the God who sees us and shapes us and is active and present. The God who's inviting us to join him in his work. And he goes on and finishes with this great invitation to trust him. You can trust this person. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. David is tapping into some deep wisdom about the world. You think all of your strength and all of that, you, that you've gathered up as your strength can save you? No. You can't save yourself. The horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Think of back in the day when horses were the, the if you have a big cavalry, this is, you have a huge army. David's saying, horses don't do it. Um, despite all of its great strength it, strength, it cannot save. Like, what is it that you trust in? What is it that you ultimately put all of your stock into, so to speak. David is saying, figure that out and, and figure, why am I putting all my, 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 in, uh, my investments here? If you're going to de- develop a life of prayer, you're going to take your investments out of everything 
uh, your ultimate investment out of everything that you have and put it into God. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope, whose hope is his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in the famine. So when we pray, we become aware of him who sees us. The eyes of the Lord are on us. And we become aware of him who sees us. But deeper than that, deeper than just becoming aware, is learning how to make contact with him. So, okay, think of two people who are staring at each other awkwardly. The point of all of this and, and the, the great painting on the top of the Sistine Chapel where you have God, God stretching as far as he can and humans kind of like, ah, I might, I might want to touch you. But prayer is this. That's what it is. That's all prayer is. It's that little movement in the heart which says, I want to make contact with you and learning what it is to make contact with him. We come to know him who's the only one who knows us. And we come to love him who loves us most profoundly. Think of all the people who, who love you and the people who done, have done it imperfectly. He loves us perfectly. And what prayer is, is coming to love him back. So making contact with God, this takes some effort, um, but not a lot. And um, there's one sermon I, I preached on this, which tried to bring the analogy of the feast to our mind. Because uh, we have to learn how to taste that God is good. We can't, we, if someone tells us God is good, he loves you, you should pray. It's never going to happen. Like you have to experience the love of God and the feelings that you get when he convinces you and he washes his truth over you. Like there's an experience of making contact with God. And if you don't have that, if you, don't, if you haven't experienced that, then you, you haven't really tasted and known. And so prayer and the, the deeper parts of the prayer life are about coming to make contact with God and to know deeply inside of us that he loves us. And so that's part of the great invitation here. So getting, uh, getting to the end of this first part of this, today's sermon, we have to have a desire to pray. We have to have the desire, otherwise it won't happen. But then once we get into it, the desire to pray turns into the desire for God. And inside of us, our spirits awake. Something is, is quickly, um, quick, we quickly fall asleep, but when we start to desire God, something awakens in us and we're drawn deeper and deeper into the life of God. Some people call this contemplative prayer, and meditation, whatever you call it, that's what it is. Experiencing the love of God for yourself. And so we get to, we get to some of the uh, main action points here. And if you're overwhelmed by all these, this to-do list, again, my invitation all along isn't for you in one day to become a prayer master. Not going to happen. Uh, I struggle with prayer. I've struggled um, for many years with prayer. Um, but can you take one step more into the life of prayer? Can you take one step deeper into, into making contact with God? So four basic points here, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit. We first by start, start by turning our neediness to prayer. How do we do this? How do we go about doing this, this prayer life? We start by taking everything which we feel that we need 
on a daily basis and offer it up to God. Here's what I need. Here's what I, here's what I need. Here's what I need. Here's what my loved ones need. We turn our neediness into prayer. Um, it's kind of simple praying, a stream of consciousness. It's, it's a beautiful way to pray and invite you into that. But beyond that, as we step further in, we learn to pray the Psalms. And not just, not just read the Psalms, but actually make contact with the Psalms. Read five Psalms a day, I've said. And there's going to be at least one thing that jumps out at you if you're really listening. Read the Psalms, find that point, and use it to help you pray. Uh, turn, turn its emotion and connect it with yours, wherever it's connecting up and sincerely. Um, prepare, meditate, be still. When we get into the actual life of prayer, there's a rhythm once we get there, when we finally bow our knees and fold our hands. We have to take some prep time. We have to meditate, which means we have to think among truths of God. And we have to, at some point, be still. And if we don't do all three of those, we really don't get ourselves a chance to feel God's love touching us deeply. And then ultimately, we master Jesus' prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. You know how it goes. You may have heard that before. Um, I've, I've, I've said... These are like dresser drawers. Each statement is like a dresser drawer. And you open it, and inside are filled with all sorts of ways of praying these, um, these different sections, these building blocks of prayer. Uh, so those, those are kind of the, the, the four main movements in the life of prayer. But if, if we get more into, like, what can you do today? Like, what's the practical? What can you go home and do this afternoon? Uh, then we get into all sorts of good ideas. And I've structured this in this way. Morning, noon, night, and Sundays. I'm just going to list this off for you. So don't feel overwhelmed again. If one thing hits you and you're like, I'm going to go try that today, that's great. Uh, morning, noon, night, and Sundays. There's certain things that when you wake up in the morning, you, sh- you should feel like um, trying. Uh, noon, throughout the day, how, how can you live a life of prayer throughout the day and at nighttime before you go to bed? And then when we gather here on Sunday mornings, what role does prayer play in a very practical way? So here they are, morning. When you wake up, when your alarm clock goes off or the sun rays hit you or your kids start screaming, what do you do? How can the life of prayer begin in the morning? Uh, Lay your needs before him. Find everything that you need that day and lay them before him. Express loyalty to God in that moment. God, I I serve you. I, I worship you. You can start complaining eloquently. Come up with the most beautiful way to complain to God. It's a great time to do that. Um, here's what I do. I, I take all the things at the very beginning of my day which I'm anxious about, and they're always there, and they're always in abundance. I just write them out, and I tell them to God. I mean, he knows them, but this is activating my morning prayers. And in the morning, use your imagination. Reach out. I'm inviting you to think. You, like, close your eyes. You're, you're maybe still laying in bed, or you're making, making breakfast or whatever. You can do all this while you're getting ready. Um, imagination. Reach out. Maybe you, should actually, maybe you can actually physically do this if, if you're not imagining it. Reach out to God or bow down. Uh, maybe you just need to take a moment to bow and express your loyalty that way. Or kneel to him as to a king. Or use your imagination this way. Uh, whatever is broken and complex, imagine it. And imagine yourself lifting it up into the healing light of God. Uh, lift them up to God. Basically, in the morning, the invitation is this. List your tears upon his scroll. That's how the psalmist puts it. Uh, it's a great way to start the day. It's in a very important way as human beings to, get, to release. 
So that's the morning. Uh, at noontime, um, or at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. until whenever during the day, find a time. Find a, t- find a sacred time to pray. Um, I, I know we have busy days, and many of you can't just sort of um, pull over during your workday and, and spend a half hour in prayer. Um, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, you have, we have responsibilities. But we do challenge ourselves. And we ask ourselves, if we don't, like, like 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock is my best hour. I'm the most alert. I've, my, my heart is the most fresh. I've got, I do my best work during that time. Why am I not giving my best moment to God? It's a challenge for all of us. Why do, what, whatever we spend our most alert, best time of the day is, go, uh, do this in your life. Figure it out. When's your most alert, best time, and what are you giving it to? And that'll show you what maybe you're most devoted to in your life. This is a challenge for all of us. I know it's, it's, it's a hard challenge. Uh, but find a sacred time and a devoted place. Like, um, I've found my sacred time, and I have a specific place. I don't pray um, my best when I'm at my desk. I need to go to another room. I need to put a candle in front of me and remind me this is a sacred time. So find a time, find a place. And when you begin the best prayer, just always start our prayers, is God, give me the gift of prayer. We ask God to help us. That, that begins initiating that weakness, neediness um, requirement. God, give me the gift of prayer. And of course he accepts our prayers if we don't pray this. But I'm inviting you to think about how this might help in, in, enhance your experience. Start with sincerity. If you, if you are enraptured with the love of God and you can't, you can't, you're overwhelmed with how much he loves you, start there. If you feel like praying is the last thing you want to do right now, start there. Tell God that. We start with sincerity, and he meets us. And, and I invite you into this because um, if we start somewhere that's not true to where we're at, um, it takes a while for us to connect with God. <laughs> it just takes, it takes a while for us to find equilibrium. But if you can just start with right where you're at, he's already right there. And that's where we begin. And find a sentence of scripture. Read through your a Bible. Find a sentence of scripture and peer into what strikes you. What, what comes out you at the, at, from the page? Peer, and peer into that. Um, the idea or the theme. I'll take a few moments at the end to go quiet and peer into God. Again, this is the prayer is about pouring our hearts out, listing our tears upon the scroll. But if, we're, if we don't find that time to step back and be silent and just let God speak to us, then we're, we're missing something beautiful. Uh, read five psalms during this time. Mark, circle what hits you. Write your own psalms based on the theme. Some of you have told me that you have begun writing your own psalms. And I love that. I think that's really, really good for us to do. Um, but stepping out of our, our time of prayer, how, how often do we ask others, can I pray with you? I mean, especially other believers. We're in conversation. How are you doing? You tell me all the things that are going wrong in your life or you're rejoicing with something good that's happening to you. How often do we say, hey, before we go, can we pray together? It's a great, great, great practice during the day. Um, and some of us are bold enough or called to sometimes if um, someone who's not a believer or doesn't share our worldview is, is sharing their heart. Um, some of us may have the courage to say, you know what, can I pray for you just now? I know this is weird, but can I pray for you? Uh, there have been five or six instances in my life where I've felt utterly dread, utter dread in, in offering that. And every single time the person has loved it and has been so thankful, even if they didn't believe in the God I believed in, they they knew deep down inside of them that they, they were being cared for from my deepest place. So can, can you think about that? 
Who in your life might you say, hey, can we just pray about that? See what happens. Morning, noon, and night. So during the day, find a time, find a sacred spot, and do some praying. At night, um, become part of prayer groups or home groups. Our home groups here at church uh, pray together. One of the things we do is pray. Wednesday nights at 7.39 here, there's always a prayer group. Uh, if you have a spouse, find a sacred evening a month and pray together. It's not too much. Or go on a guided retreat together with your spouse. Or if you have kids, uh, pray with him at dinner and bedtime. I know these are things that we often do, but um, let's not miss out on the chance to pray for our kids. They feel so deeply cared for by us. And uh, I've, I'm so usually drained at the end of the day. I get up to put my girls to bed and it's like, come on, Jesus. No, that's the, that's the, that's the dinner prayer. Sometimes I start, start with a dinner prayer and they correct me. They're like, no, that's the dinner prayer. I say, now I lay me down to sleep. You know, it's, it's like, I just need my time. But when I get up and I say, Autumn, what do you need? Like, what? She's like, I don't know what I need. Yeah, that's usually her response. But I'll pray for her. I'll pray for her heart. I'll pray for the things that hurt her during the day. I'll pray for that God, that God would teach her his love. And she feels so special when I do that for her. Same for Claire. Or for your kids while they sleep. I know this is creepy. It's a bit creepy. I, I'm aware of this. But there's something about the fact that when kids are asleep, they're just angelic, right? All their defenses are down. And we love them deeper than we do when they're awake. No. Um, there's something I'm open about a kid when they're sleeping. And take a five, ten minutes when they're asleep and go up and put your hand on their forehead and pray for them. Not a hard thing to do. Uh, this one is harder, but maybe even just as important. On your beds, says David, I lay in my bed at night. I search my heart and am silent. Like maybe three times a week, instead of searching Facebook or Instagram while you fall asleep, search your heart and be silent. I've begun doing this since I've been preaching this. And um, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, whenever it is that you go to bed, Put your technology down and lay there and feel what's going on inside of you. Search what's happening there and, and be silent. Give, them up to, give your, your heart up to God. It's profoundly important and for us in this technological day and age to learn how to do that and not just always fall asleep with Netflix playing and all that. So morning, noon, and night we pray. And on Sundays, we praise. Praise has a public function to it. Um, remember, praise is, is completed when we're a little embarrassed by letting other people see our devotion for God. So when you're here, the least that you can do is to sing loudly. Uh, one of the tricks of, the, of, of Sunday mornings is this. Um, usually you're not going to remember half or all of what I say. It's okay. I, I, I went to a church when I was in college, and it was the, one of the most profound uh, experiences for me to be part of that church. I was transformed and changed quite a lot in my faith by Sunday after Sunday attending and worshiping. Uh, I, I went there for five years. I have this thick binder full of notes. I could go back and figure out what this pastor said. But if you asked me today with a gun to my head, what did that pastor say? I couldn't think of one thing that pastor told me. It's the reality. This isn't for you to remember information. This is the space created for you to encounter God. What I remember most about those services are when I was on my knees, when I took the courage to bow on my knee and pray to God. It was a bigger church 
than this a little bit, and so uh, I, I didn't really know anyone in it. So I could do things like sometimes during, during the final two songs, I would come up by myself in front of a thousand people and kneel at the altar. Not because there was an altar call, but because I was trying to embarrass, embarrass myself before a community to show God how much I loved him. Um, what is it that you can do in here to step into a little bit of that public praise? And the least we can do is to sing, sing loudly. And we don't do that to convince everyone that everyone's having a good time. No, no, we, we sing our hearts to God while we're here. Uh, we try to pray to God while you're here. When the songs are going, it's a wonderful time to do some of the prayer practices. Or after, uh, after, um, after the, the service during com- or the preaching during communion, um, bring, bring prayer up with you to this, this table. We come and we dip the bread and the juice and we, and we pray for ourselves. But can we think of maybe someone who we know can't quite bring themselves to the life of prayer? And we lift up their prayers for them. Or when you're in your seat, write out some prayers. Just take a, like bring a notepad and write out a prayer. Bring a journal and write some prayers to God while I'm speaking. So here's the thing. That's what I, I, I like. You can go get coffee. You can, you can be fidgeting, whatever. The point is not for you ultimately to remember what the information I'm giving you. The point is that we're creating a space for you to encounter God and use that to the best of your ability. We have it every week and it's a real gift. So, if that was overwhelming, <laughs> a couple of things. Um, I just wanted to give you a little window into my, my life of prayer right now and then invite you to the, the prayer group and then we'll be done. Um, so here's, here's how my, my prayer life has developed over the course of, of the seven months. And it has. I've, I've grown a little bit in my devotion to prayer. Um, I sit down and I, I open the Psalms. And right now I'm on Psalm 11, my, my second day of, my second, uh, I'm right at the beginning, I, I guess. And what I do is I read five psalms and I have a pen with me. And every time a verse really hits me, I put a dot next to it. And I try to find five or six of those verses. And then I type them out on my computer. And then I try to rearrange them into how it, it's hitting me the most. And I, when I do that, during that process, I'm listening to what I'm being distracted by. I'm listening to the, the, the meditations of my heart. And I'm, journaling them underneath the different points. And by the time I'm done with that, friends, I've gotten in touch with me, where I'm at, and I'm beginning to give me to God. And so after I do that, I try to think, what's the one phrase that's stuck out to me? And I I pray for you, I pray for my family, I pray for whatever comes across my heart. And then I think, what's the one phrase that's stuck out to me? And I use that, and it may be, I don't know, God fills the hearts of the needy. That's a, that's a phrase. Maybe it was that. And so I just close my eyes and I imagine God filling the hearts of the needy. Who are the needy I know? And I imagine filling the hearts. And right now I've, I've created a window into God's heart. And as I do so, at some point that I can't quite describe, I move from active praying to passive. And I just sort of be. And sometimes those moments are just dull. And they're not there. But other times I have my pro- most profound idea of the day in that moment. And I think that I'm just, my mind's wandering, but God is saying something to me. Hey, why don't you think about this today? And every once in a while, instead of a direction or an idea, I'll get this overwhelming feeling that um, I'm loved. Five, ten minutes of the silence. And then I'm done. Amen. Off to my day. Um, So what might a life of prayer look like for you? Uh, if, If you have heard me say anything 
this whole prayer series, maybe it's this. Every Sunday morning at 9.30, there's a group praying here. Uh, it's a wonderful place to come practice, to come pray. And it's one of my aspirations in the next year. I mean, um, we, we never think about prayer in terms of numbers of people. Uh, always about the sincerity of the prayer. So if there's one person praying back there at 9.30, great. If there's two, great. But one of my aspirations is to see that room filled with people who are prepping their hearts for worship by praying together. So what might it look, you, look like for you to build your life so that you can get here at 9.30? Come and pray and join in. Uh, I invite you in. It's a, a wonderful time. And uh, I think something that will be so important to going forward for our community to have a, a, a handful of people who are devoted to lifting this community and the wider Thunder Bay community up in prayer in this church. Um, we're accessing the heart of God, friends. And so I'll close with this today. Thanks for your long, suffering attention. I'll close with this today. Uh, words in the dark. My prayer for this community is... Uh, when it feels in dark places, when it feels left in the dark as if God is not speaking anymore, um, it understands that God is there and still with us. We have a great promise in one of the Psalms that the darkness is not dark to you, Lord. Psalm 139. Even the darkness is as light to you. If we can't feel God, we can't sense him. He is still with us. Uh, and we learn to give words to him even when we can't feel him. But sometimes, friends, when we're in those dark places and we've suspended all of our agendas, we expect words to come from the dark, to, to touch us and to hit us, and we pay attention and recognize that the, the Lord of the universe is speaking to us. Um, and, and out of the darkness, out of the feeling like we are out of control, may we come as a community to a place where in the darkness of our life and in the darkness of prayer, we come to make contact with the living God and be transformed for the sake of the world. So I'd invite you into prayer. Now, as we finish off today, Jesus gives us one last reminder before he goes to the cross that every time that you gather Remember what I have done for you. You, you can't, even, can't even begin to come to the heart of God without me first taking on the darkness of the world. And he's done that. And he's done that work and he finished it beautifully. In the darkness of the final hours, he prayed, my God, my God, why can't I feel you? And yet I praise you among my people still. The Son took upon the, our darkness. The Father uh, and the Holy Spirit gathered around him and encouraged him and reminded him that you can take yourself to the very brink of your life and I still am with you. I still have got you. And so every time we take a piece of bread and dip it into the juice, we remember not only that Jesus took on the heaviest darkness in all the world, we remember uh, that we can trust him with all of ourselves. And that's what this, this act is. And so uh, I wish I had more beautiful words to end, but I'll just end with this, friends. Let's come to God and to Jesus as a group of people. The table is set and everyone here is welcome.